0: You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Zen, founder of Taurus.
1: The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, But others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com Exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com Exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange. Dot Bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Zen, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Dustin. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: You know, I'm excited to hear your story. And I do believe in this space, the story always begins with, how did you first learn about the word Bitcoin or blockchain?
2: Um, yeah, I I have been asked. (laughs) Somehow that's every question that turns up on like an interview or a podcast. But, um, uh, for me personally, it was actually not Bitcoin or Ethereum that first got me into uh, the blockchain space. It was actually Dogecoin. Um, like back in my uni days, Dogecoin had just launched as a, um, as, a, as a as a clone of Bitcoin. And I mean, the trailer was just, the, 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 the I'm not sure if you've seen it yourself, but the Dogecoin to the moon trailer, it was absolutely fantastic. At that point in time, Reddit was still actually pretty new. I think it was the first few years of Reddit cropping up and um, I actually kind of ran a minor as well uh, and did a couple of things. And that was kind of like my first foray at like understanding of blockchain. Um, but I really only really did get into it once Ethereum started popping up. So around 2017, um, Vitalik came to give a talk in Singapore or something like that. And he came in his unicorn shirt in a room full of suits, you know, and him in his unicorn shirt. And that was just, you know, that left an impact on me. From then on it was a rabbit hole and I was I was I was started from there. <laughs> Worked on you know different Ethereum Foundation projects at that at, at that point in time and then eventually stumbled upon Taurus eventually.
0: And now tell us about Taurus. Who is Taurus?
2: So Taurus is we aim to solve just one problem. And that is that key management is really, really hard. I mean, I'm not sure about you, Dustin, but for me, like I've definitely lost a key or two with like money around, and
0: so we're talking like uh, a key to a house. Or I mean, what kind of key is this?
2: We're talking about like a public-private key pair. So we're talking about like cryptographic key pairs, and they are very similar to how a um, a person on the web would have a username and password. But in the blockchain space, this is your username and password, and it's a sixty-four length long character um, string of like just like, uh, random letters and words. So it's not memorizable at all. It's harder to keep.
0: 64 characters. So you I mean, talk about that. I mean, what, what happens on the blockchain? What happens if I want to send Bitcoin to somebody else? Do I have to remember or memorize this key?
2: So, um, well, if you didn't have a wallet, you would have to, but these days, because that's obviously not possible by the human mind, um, we manage public private key pairs on wallets, most. Of um, and we Taurus is kind of a wallet, but more than a wallet, we are actually key infrastructure. We're kind of like the underlying layer that helps wallets provide users uh, with a better experience when managing these key pairs.
0: Now, so I have to imagine that these these large funds or, or people that are uh, of a different breed of investor around the world that, that this that, you know when they're looking at these keys as well that it's complex it's confusing and and they're looking for solutions to fill that gap so who's your ideal customer I and mean, who are you talking to
2: so we're actually talking to uh, just anybody who wants to interact with the standard blockchain space um uh, our customers wait so no not really actually our customers are mainly applications and we're integrated into these applications because these applications Want to provide mainstream users with an experience that's super familiar to themselves. So, for those of you who haven't heard of us before, the best way to actually figure out how Taurus works is to try the experience out for yourself. If you head on to app.tor.us, that's app.tor.us, you can try out the, the experience for yourself. It feels just like a Web2 application because on that page is, you know, your standard Google login, Facebook login, um, your uh, passwordless login just by email. It feels like you're just logging into a standard application. And that's the magic of it because... Um, I don't know about you, Dustin, but if you've tried other crypto applications, it often has to come with a download. It's a Chrome extension. Um, They make you like copy down a seed phrase and all that. We abstract all of that away for the user so that they have a very smooth onboarding experience into these applications.
0: So it sounds to me that what you're doing is ultimately solving a global problem, and that is, how do you make it easy for people?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. It's uh and I we, we do believe that it's one of the main things that stopping mainstream adoption of blockchains. I mean, blockchains have grown in adoption exponentially since they started and um, with this the current industry that we're in, it's definitely just continuing to grow as well. But um if you've tried a crypto application before, uh you the monthly active users on crypto applications still pale in comparison to traditional applications. 50k active users, monthly active users, is about like uh, one the top 10 applications in the whole blockchain space today. And, well, if you compare that to any game, any game on like the Chrome store, right, that pales in comparison. And we still have a long way to go before we get to that level of adoption of blockchain applications.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting way of putting it. So... Looking at the space as a whole, I mean, from the days that you started in the beginning to where it is today, how many hours does it take to build a company? How many hours has it taken you to get here? What does it take in terms of for an entrepreneur of commitment of time?
2: Well, I I I can't even tell you that, Dustin. I I don't. It's, it's countless hours. I mean, um, I do think I work about six days a week in, in general. Uh, I don't think it's healthy to work seven days a week. It's uh, you do have to take a break from time to time. Um, but for Taurus, we've been around for two years at this point. So if we do the math, it's uh, isn't
0: that like thirty years? You know, in, it, isn't that like worth like thirty uh, years in crypto? Is it?
2: You're yeah, right. yeah, are right. It is thirty years in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um yeah so i mean you can see the lines of my eyes
0: i'll get it's out of here Man, you look for those of you that can't see zen i'm telling you this guy he's he's built
2: no no no. <laughs> but i mean i'm flattered either way does I appreciate that but um it, it does take i mean in crypto things move really fast in general and two years feels like quite some time but um for taurus it's we've been around for like two years and a little bit more at this point at this point um, traction-wise, what we're seeing is we're integrated into most top blockchain applications at this point in time. We're integrated into about like 250 applications, uh, those of which are like the top DeFi applications like Aave, Kyber, DeFi, you know, all your different
0: food courts. I mean, that must be very exciting, Zan. I mean, this started as an idea, a dream in your head. And now to see so many companies start to use it, it must be very like a proud moment for you.
2: Um. Well, we, we, there's always the next objective. Internally, we always feel like we could be doing a lot more. And, I mean, 250 is now, but we want to hit a 1,000. We want to be on all of the applications that really hit mainstream. And we want to bring these applications mainstream. I mean, I have to say, I don't really feel... It, it feels all right. It's okay. But, I mean, we still have a long way to go to uh, hit mainstream adoption, both as an ecosystem as well as Taurus as a company bring, uh, to help us bring, get there.
0: Well, it sounds like you're becoming the Elon in the space that, well, you could go a little further than the moon. You you could go to Mars. So how do you set goals as a founder CEO? How do you set goals that are both from an expectation standpoint, realistic? And then also how do you help your team reach those goals?
2: So, I mean, um, I like to stick by a principle where, uh, where I can't remember who exactly said it, but you know, you always overestimate what you can get done in one day, uh, and then underestimate what you can get done in three months. And you grossly underestimate what you can get done in a year, in two years. So typically that's how our goals follow as well. In a day, we try to underestimate what we can, what we can get done. But in a year, we, 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 we reach for deliverables which feel unpalpable today. At this point in time, for example, last year we aimed to increase our numbers um, of users by a hundred times, and lo and behold, we actually managed to this year. Uh, at this point, and we're looking to we're looking to do the same. So we're looking to increase our numbers by another hundred times, um, in terms of number of users by next year. And it's really um, just uh, something like uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just it's it's really just kind of. Um, it's a mix of first kind of calculating what seems manageable and then afterwards, uh, like, multiplying that a little bit for the years, the year multiplier effect,
0: you know. So how do you keep up on the times? I mean, you get to work with super smart people from all over the globe. How do you stay at your top? Or how do you remain, I would say, in a place uh, that you're always learning? I mean, what do you do?
2: Oh, uh, I mean, I'm always learning, definitely, but I don't think we're, at like, uh, crypto moves so fast, it, it's insane. It's impossible to keep up. I, I think it's, uh, I, I do about two to three hours of reading a day and try to keep up with uh, different uh, um, be it different projects coming out or different research topics coming out. And I try to allocate time to that. Um, but really, I actually work with my co-founder to kind of do this. He handles more of the technology side. I try to handle more of the business side. And then we reconvene and try to mix the two. Ultimately, it's a collaboration um, because I don't think one person can do it alone in terms of keeping it up. And I don't think we both do it alone either. Like we we know one thing really well and that's key management. But other than that, even in the blockchain space, I would say like it's, uh, it's hard to keep up.
0: So it sounds like you're focused on solving that problem. You let other companies solve other problems that this has become your focus.
2: And I do think that's the way to go for most companies. Like um, you just got to... Keep yourself heads down and focused on fixing one problem at a time, because um, that's that's the way you become the best at fixing one thing, and that's way that's the way you build a product that people actually want.
0: That, that's a great perspective because I will tell you that most entrepreneurs typically they have the same problem, and that's squirrel, and then they go in another direction. They they, they keep pivoting all over the place. How do you allow yourself or keep yourself focused?
2: So. I mean we do pivot ourselves internally as well we have i do think pivoting is crucial to entrepreneurship in that but the we don't pivot in terms of the final goal that we're trying to hit we pivot in terms of the steps that we're taking to get there there are multiple paths that it's like a pyramid right there are multiple paths you can take to kind of like achieving your end goal and for us that end goal is key management um and there are multiple paths we can get there to fix it but like to really get feedback and to choose which path is going to actually get us there. And what's to find the easiest path. There's no way to do it, but to iterate and to iterate fast. Actually, you want to try it, talk to people, get validation, real market validation of whether your product is working or not. And if it's not working, you want to ditch it really, really fast. So internally we have several practices, like for example, um, our, our DevOps practices are always built to deploy within a week. Our QA is always built to test on real customers instead of like waiting for the product to be fully launched before all the test. because we want to get those minimal iterations on those small steps out. But yes, like focus on solving one problem and like, just keep your head on that one.
0: I, I, I love that. Talk about hiring, you know, in this digital age. How do you decide to bring people on? I mean, what's the process look like? And ultimately, whoever you bring on becomes a reflection of you. Uh,
2: it, it really does, because, um, like, especially when the company is small, right now we are 12, so we aren't at, we used to be kind of like five, and before that was just two of us naturally. Um, and we have lots of room to grow, definitely. And we're hiring, by the way, so if anybody's out there, we're hiring for most roles. Um, do hit us up at our website, uh both developers as well as the business side but anyways so in terms of hiring i would say the people that matter the most um are the people that join you initially and you really want those people um to like um, to 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 resonate with like your values coming into it. It might sound cheesy to do it at the start, especially when you're like the founder and you just maybe you're just two people. It might find, it might sound cheesy to set like core values. Like uh, for us it's flexibility. We're very implementation focused and we're very execution driven. Those are kind of like our three core values. We're impact focused as well. Um, but it sounds cheesy to set those especially when you're just two guys in a room Like we want to do these things you know but it's important to set those down because that is what you share with people coming on board and people it's kind of like a filter in itself those values are a filter for who you want and who's attracted to you as they come on board um and that's how you kind of like uh like merge people you just feel who Resonate with you i mean when you're talking about like on a skills level and basis of course that's different from different roles to, uh, from different roles to different roles but uh i mean do, do we want to hear about that do we want to hear how about how we kind of like evaluate whether somebody absolutely
0: good? would love to hear your process because a, a lot of times in this space the, the challenge that most entrepreneurs in it or founders face is what is the process to hiring? How do we do it? Because most people weren't born a CEO or they're learning how to become one.
2: So like in interviews, typically like in the hiring process, you typically don't have much time to uh, evaluate whether or not somebody is is good to work with. And uh, for us, we like to, in, 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 in interviews themselves, we like to ask people the same question over and over again. And we like to figure out What is their story ultimately? When you're in an interview room and you're talking to somebody, right? You're just trying to figure out what's their story. um, What's their career path, how they came to be, where they are, and what have they done and contributed to along the way? What are they proud of? So we try to get them to talk a lot and we try to get them to share what they're proudest about, about what they feel like their strengths are. And we really just keep asking that same question over and over and over again. Just to see whether or not, because people get good at interviewing, right? People have the same story they tell over and over again. I've told this story to countless podcasts, just like you.
0: Oh, come on. They're <laughs> and, not like um, me. Start over, Zan. I'm not no,
2: going to. No. I mean, you're unique, Dustin. You're definitely unique. <laughs> just like how I'm unique to you but I mean we, we all kind of like handle multiple people right um, and uh, interviewees are no, no no different and we just ask them the same question over and over again to try to like get them to answer the same question and the, the story has to resonate and make sense and piece together from all of these different angles that we ask Um and that's kind of like the, how we handle the first interviews the later interviews we kind of try to get people working with us as soon as possible. So that might be pair programming if you're an engineer. It might be strategizing on market strategy if you're a marketer. But whatever whatever your strengths are, we try to do. And we try to get you to impress us during the interview.
0: That's great advice. Now tell us what you're working on today. What are you most proud of or what do you have coming out?
2: So... We've been working, we've been in space for a while now and we've had uh, several products and we are quite excited to be sharing um, this new product called OpenLogin. It's really an authentication suite that merges the simplicity of passwordless authentication with the security of public key infrastructure, which is, of course, non-custodial crypto space. And what that means is it basically... Is it it basically enables also like face slash touch ID to a public private key pair. You know how you have like face slash touch ID on some of these banking applications in the traditional space. We allow you to manage a non custodial public private key pair with just face slash touch ID, and we allow these like applications to leverage on all the underlying benefits that come with decentralization, non custodiality, the blockchain out of the box in five minutes.
0: And how do we learn more about Taurus?
2: So definitely head over to tour.us. Um, That's our main site. That's that's the starting point. If you're a developer, head over to our documentation page at docs.tor.us, or really just hit us up at our Telegram groups, um, Taurus Labs, as well as Several so other ones, uh, we'd love to see you there and do join the conversation.
0: All right. And final question, advice you have to other entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs around the world that have had this crazy idea sitting in their head or it's been collecting dust on a shelf. How do they get it out of their head? How do they execute it?
2: Um, you just have to try. You should just do it. You should just actually start doing it. Um, and you shouldn't wait. You should just like set, set, set. Do what you think is going to work first and figure out what's wrong with that and then just keep iterating and trying. And eventually you hit something that works. It's just entrepreneurship is just trial and error, man.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for sharing your story on the Bitcoin.com Exchange podcast.
2: Cheers. Thanks so much for having me, Dustin.
1: The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information and it should not be relied upon.
0: You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.